0: So, for the last several weeks, we've been doing a series, and the series is called Hot Topics. Everybody say hot. You still haven't got that right. It's hot topics. There you go. So um, the reason why we're doing a series like this is because in summer there are so many people gone one week and gone the next. And so we like to do a series that if you're on vacation one week, it doesn't have to be connected to the next and so you can pick up right where you left off. But I would encourage you if you've missed a few weeks of the Hot Topic series to go online, go on YouTube and watch those. We have had so much good feedback about some things that we have said. So what we've done is taken a topic that is hot and controversial in our culture. And we just open the Bible and say, how do we as believers um, respond to these particular topics? So a few weeks ago, um, I-, I thought this was a great idea. I thought we'd talk about politics. As I started speaking, I'm like, why am I doing this? But as we worked our way through it, I believe it helped a lot of people. So basically we just took the Bible and say, how does a believer vote? How does a believer um, conduct his beliefs as far as politics. I didn't tell you who to vote for. I wouldn't do that. But I do believe it will help you, especially we're coming up into another election year. So we talked about politics, how to recognize what convicts us. Last weekend, um, I did a message called Racism, Removing What Divides Us. And I shared with you what the cure for racism is. And so um, I would just go on YouTube. I would watch those. So here's my title this morning, um, Truth Decay, Responding to What Confuses Us. If you haven't noticed. Maybe you live somewhere in a cavern. Um, Our world is a little jacked up. Did y'all notice that? (laughs) it's very jacked up. It's really, really confused. So this morning I want to talk about how we're watching truth decay. I want to share with you what our response is. I want to explain what's going on in the culture around us. And I want to start by saying this, because of what's happening in culture right now, culture is in a very confused place and we are watching the consequences and we are experiencing the consequences of letting truth decay. And so let's talk this morning about how we respond to that. I'm going to start all the way back in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles Chronicles chapter 15. Y'all ready to go this morning? 2 Chronicles chapter 15, first six verses. The Bible says this, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, who was the son of Oded, and he went out to meet King Asa, and this is what he said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, look what he will do. He will forsake you. Now Asa was the king of Judah. And Asa was Asa began to remove the idol worship and all the immorality that was connected with that. He reestablished God as the one true God he um, made national observances that people would follow the law. So Asa was doing some righteous things in the middle of a lot of unrighteousness. So verse three says this, for a long time, Israel has been without the true God. They've been without a teaching priest and they've been without the law. So think about this nation who was God's people. The Bible says this, that this point they found themselves without the true God There was not any pastors teaching the truth, and they were without the law of God, without the word of God. So as a result of that, verse four says, but when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel, and they sought him, and he was found. Aren't you glad when you seek God, he is to be found? Verse five, and in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out. There was no peace for the one who came in, and there was great turmoil on all the inhabitants of the land. So, nation was destroyed by nation, and city was destroyed by city. Now, I want you to look at the last phrase of verse 6 For God troubled them with every adversity. Think about that statement. God troubled them with every adversity. So, King Asa is bringing back worship, and he's bringing back um, the recognition of the law when he's bringing back the worship of one true God. But Israel had swayed from that because they, they failed to continue to seek God and seek truth and follow truth. And so the word of God says this, if you seek truth, God's going to seek you back. But if you will forsake truth, look what the Bible says, God will forsake you back. And because they, had, they, had, they were forsaking God and they were forsaking truth, the Bible said, God, let every adversity come on them. And I want to say a very, very startling statement to you. It's a very startling question. But what do you do when God is your problem? What do you do when God is your problem? And this is, in essence, what this scripture is saying. Their problem was actually God. It says this, that they had no longer followed the true God. They didn't have a priest to teach them the law. And they'd forgotten the law. Let me put it in my own words because I feel like they had had some things happening and the first thing that they were facing was they lacked truth. And see, there's a problem when you lack truth. When you lack truth, you're unable to discern lies. When you lack truth, you lack revelation and when you lack revelation, see, the Bible says this, that when you know or you come to be acquainted with the truth, the truth is gonna do what? It's gonna set you but if you do not know truth, you cannot walk in what? Freedom. So really what truth is, is revelation. I, I like to call truth um, your, your wow moment. And what I mean by that, the Bible says this about revelation. There was something behind a curtain, and it was always there. And someone opened that curtain, and you saw it, and that was an aha. That was a wow moment. That's a revelation moment. And that's when truth is preached, and truth is taught, and truth is recognized. It's a revelation moment in your life because it changes everything. See, there was a time in your life that you lacked Truth and what happens when you lack truth? You can't make good decisions. Anyone remember a time in your life you just didn't have truth? Did you make a lot of bad decisions? Yes, you did because you lacked what truth. Here's what happens when we lack truth. One thing that King Asa had to do is he had to go and remove idol worship. Now, when we think of idol worship, we think of statues and little monuments, and we know that in our country we don't really have a lot of that. But we still have an idolatry problem because here's what idolatry is. Idolatry means you worship your source. Whatever you make the source of your life, you worship that source. And when we begin to lack and we begin to forget the true God, what we're doing is worshiping our own opinions and we're worshiping in our own thoughts and we're, and we're worshiping our own feelings and we're worshiping our own desires and we're worshiping our own concept of what we think truth is. It's called our opinions. Whatever you've made the source in your life, that's what you worship. And the Bible says that's idolatry. And so if you lack truth, what happens is you fall into idolatry. If you lack truth, you're not able to discern what is a truth and what is a lie. And then when, you, when you're unable to discern that, it's confusion. And we know from Scripture that Jesus is not an author of confusion. The devil's an author of confusion. We live in a very, 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 very confused culture right now. Why? Because they're lacking truth. And not only was there a problem of lacking truth, there was also the problem because lacking truth leads to rejecting truth. It's one thing to lack truth. It's a whole other thing to begin to reject truth. And so listen to this statement. If truth is silent, human opinion prevails. If truth is silent, our own opinion begins to prevail. And everyone has an opinion, right? And that's one thing everyone holds. But if we do not have truth, see, we need to make the words of Jesus our opinion, that's the truth, but if, if truth is silent and it's rejected, then what happens is human opinion begins to prevail. If no revelation is taught, here's what happened. Human opinion begins to neutralize the word of God. And there is a push today. There's an emphasis to dumb down the word of God. There is a push today to say the word of God is not for now and it's not truth. And what we're doing is elevating our own opinions. And we even do that sometimes in our own lives. But culturally, nationally, that's what's happening right now. We've rejected truth. And God said in Chronicles, if you, begin to quit for, if you begin to quit seeking truth and begin to forsake truth and you begin to elevate your opinion, God says, what? Then I will forsake you. And so we, we begin to lack truth. We begin to reject t- truth. But when we reject something, we have to replace truth with our own truth. And that's what, that's what we're witnessing happening. So if truth becomes debatable, then that standard is compromised. And so there's been a standard of truth in our culture. Are y'all with me still? There's been a standard of truth in our culture, and it's been compromised, and so sin becomes the new standard. Sin has become the new standard. Actually, our country, we're professional sinners. And here's the thing about sin. I heard someone say this a long time ago, that sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. It, 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 sin is addictive sin is compulsive but but there is a difference between sin and rebellion there's a distinct difference between sin and rebellion and here's the difference sin means you miss the mark anyone missed the mark this week yeah. maybe it's a struggle maybe it's a weakness but you've missed the mark everyone did that this week right so we, you just miss the mark but rebellion is a whole different deal because here's what rebellion is rebellion is when you begin to create allowances and you create opportunity, and your opinion gets involved. And so now you're creating and defending the wrong way to live. And so sin is one thing, it's to miss the mark, but rebellion is a whole different thing. And so that's what we're watching in our country because because truth was lacked, truth was rejected, and now truth has been replaced. And, And this is the result, this is the consequence of the fact that truth is actually decaying. And so when I started this message, when I was working on it, I thought about bringing in some stories and all these statistics, and I thought, you know what, I don't think I need to because it's obvious the confusion in our world, it's obvious the consequence in our world, and it's obvious that truth is decaying um, in, in our world, but it, it, we have, we're watching truth decay, and because it's decayed so much, we're seeing the end of some things in our culture. We've seen the end of family in our culture. Um, a, a few years ago, um, statistically, they say that 73% of people were married and had a family unit. Now it, it's, it's barely over 40%. And because of that, that means well over half of American families are without an active father. And because of that, that's why we see there's not an active father and family unit. There are 70% more prisoners. There are 73% more addicts. There are 63% more suicides. Why? All because we've seen the family come to an end. It has decayed. The traditional family that that we once knew. We've also seen some other things decay and come to an end. How about this? Um, We've seen the end of gender. Our country right now has a crisis of identity You know what the Word of God does? It always gives us identity. It gives us truth. It gives us a standard. But if you log on and you sign up for um, certain social media outlets, you have like 60 options of what gender you want to pick. We've seen the end of gender. We've seen the end of family. We've seen the end of morality. The last two generations uh, we, we're watching more and more of our young people being taught that it's your opinion, it's your preference, what you want to believe, instead of saying there is an absolute standard for right, for wrong, for what is true. And so we're just blending. And we have a younger generation very confused right now. They're experiencing the consequences of the previous generations teaching them that you just pick what's right and wrong for you. There are two different types of truth there's relative truth. And there is absolute truth. Absolute truth means truth exists outside of us. There's a standard of truth, and it does not change. I firmly believe that's the word of God. That's the word of, of Jesus, and that's the standard. But, but relative truth means that I choose what truth is to me, and it changes when I'm around different people. It changes. It's upon my preference. Well, how many know we can't just come up with our own standard of truth? It, it doesn't work. But we've come to the end of what is what is morally right. We've come to the end of what is valuable. We have come to the end of what's valuable and what's honorable in our country. And most importantly, I believe this, we've come to the end of accuracy. Because we've watched truth decay. We've watched it disappear. And it's left us very, 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 very confused. I mean, you know, that's the bad news this morning. That's the bad news. Well, let me keep on the bad news for just a moment. And I know what some people are saying. Well, that's an Old Testament passage of scripture. And so let's go to the New Testament. I'm going to read through a few verses. And then I want to fire you up on what I think is a response of a believer. Y'all doing all right? So in the book of Romans, Paul is writing here and he's responding to some of these same things. And in verse 18... I just want you to listen to these words as I read them. You can follow them along on the screen, but I just want you to think about the world you live in and the decay of truth and the things that I have just said, and I want you to remember this. What do we do if God's our problem? Verse 18, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, and it breaks forth against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth, and it keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance, because from the creation of the world, there are invisible qualities of God in nature, and they've been made visible, such as his eternal power and his transcendence. And he made his wonderful attributes easily perceived for, and he's seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. What that scripture is saying is we can even see God in creation. There's an instinctive thought that there is something greater, that there is there's something above, there's a greater truth. That's what that means. Verse 21. So throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them. Yet they refused to honor God him as God, or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, They entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. How many know you got to be careful what you entertain? There's a world right now trying to corrupt the truth. There's a culture that we live in trying to dumb down deity. And so we got to be careful what we entertain. Um, Let's read on. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Verse 22. Although they claimed to be super intelligent, they were in fact shallow fools. Did you all get that scripture? Does that not describe a lot of the world that we live in? Although they claimed they were super intelligent, they were shallow fools. Verse 23, for only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship a fading image of other humans. Let's go down to verse 24. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and he let them have a full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity. They dishonored their bodies through sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth for a lie. They worshiped and they served the things of God, or the things that God made, rather than the God who made those things. Glory and praises to Him for eternity of all eternities. Amen. Amen means think about that. Let's keep reading. A few more verses. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over. Everyone said, God gave. He gave them over. To their own disgraceful and vile passions, inflamed with lust for one another, men and women ignored their natural order. They exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men and they received in themselves a due penalty for that deviation. Just a few more verses. And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God did what? He gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all of the rules of proper conduct. Their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings and with the conflict and strife which drove them into hateful arguments and murder. They are deceitful liars of hostility. They are gossips who love to spread malicious slander. With inflated egos, they hurl hateful insults at God. Yet they are nothing more than arrogant boasters. They are rebels against their parents. They are totally immoral. They are senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless, and completely merciless. A lot of words although they are fully aware of the laws of God in proper order and knowing that those who do all these deserve to die, yet they go headlong into darkness encouraging others to do the same thing and they even applaud them when they do so. I know you've read that scripture before but what that scripture means is this is why God becomes the problem. There's a difference between the active and the passive wrath of God. In the Old Testament, we saw the active wrath of God which means if you broke the law God would directly punish you. We're not in that season now. We're in the season of grace because of Jesus. But there is passive wrath today. And what I mean by that is there are, even though there's grace, there's always forgiveness. There are still consequences. And when God takes his hand off of something, he lifts his protection off of that. And the Bible says this, that what God did in reference here to the book of Romans, what God did was he lifted his hand. He released his hand and he left them alone to their own wishes, desires, opinions. Why? Because they lacked truth. They rejected truth. And they replace truth with their own desires. And what God says, I'll just let my hand off that. I'll let you have your truth. I'll let you have your foolishness. Uh, And what it does, it's the passive wrath of God. So God's not directly punishing, but because God takes his hand off of something, there's the consequence. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want God to take his hand off my life. So in essence, a culture that the only hope is God, God becomes the problem because God's the only rescue. God's the only source of hope. God's the only one that can change a life. God's the only one that can heal a heart. God's the only one that can mend a situation. And when God takes his hand off, God becomes your problem. That's the world that we live in. That's the culture that we live in right now. So that's all the bad news. Aren't you glad you came to hear all that bad news this morning? But well, I don't want to leave you hanging with that because what do we as a church do? If we believe that the church is the vehicle that God uses to heal culture, that, that the church is the vehicle that God is, as in this series, that God has an answer for politics and God has an answer and a cure and He has healing for racism, God also has a cure and He has healing if we're watching Truth Decay. If God is the truth, how do we respond? So I want to share these real quick three things with you um, that I would like to summarize and say, how do we respond as a church? How do we respond as a believer in this culture where truth is decaying and gender has ended and family has ended? What do we do? First of all, here's what we do. We have the courage to stay under the conviction of the truth of the word of God. It takes some courage to live in this world that we live in. Are you all with me? It takes some courage. Let me, let me use a different word than courage, boldness. Let me use a different word than boldness and courage, faith. I, I want to challenge you to, by faith, stay under the conviction of what's true. If all the world has become, um, they think they're super intelligent, but they're really foolish in their thinking, don't you sway that way. See, I've watched something happen over the last several years in the church world. Um, uh, several years ago, the church swung way over here because we made ourselves judge and jury about everything that was wrong. And then we became isolated and ineffective. So then the church swang way back over here, and we wanted to be so relevant that sometimes you can't tell the difference between the church and the world. How about we just swing right back in here and be the people of God? Now, but I want to challenge you it's going to take some courage in a crazy world that's jacked up. It's going to take some courage for you and for me to stay under the conviction of the truth. It just takes some courage. If everyone else at your school, if everyone else at your office place, if every, every message coming through entertainment and TV is saying the opposite, it's gonna take some courage to stay under the truth. Courage, everybody say courage. courage. Then what do, you, what do you do? You gotta have some courage to stand under the conviction of that truth, but then you gotta mix that conviction with compassion. You have to mix the conviction with compassion. I want you to think about this. If God's our problem today in culture, if you're a born again believer, if you're a Christ follower, you don't have a God problem. You don't have a God problem. What's that song, I got 99 problems and you're not one? Isn't it good to know God's not your problem? I mean, you might be your problem, but God is not your problem. And I would say this to you that I don't know if the world has a devil problem. They got a God problem. But because you're a born again believer and you know truth and truth has set you free. And if you got the conviction or the courage, the standard, the conviction of truth, guess what? You need to mix that conviction with compassion because there are a lot of people. Hey, here's how this works. There, there are a lot of people lost and, and, and they lack truth. Amen. They lack truth. They've rejected truth. They've replaced truth. And now they are left to themselves. God has released his hand. But you gotta walk in conviction, but you've also gotta walk in some compassion because here's how this works. When you're at your school or you're at your workplace and you're walking in truth and you're staying in truth and you're staying under that conviction and they're watching your life and they're staring at your life, there's gonna be a moment somewhere where you get a text or you get a phone call or they're gonna say, you're different or they're gonna say, how come your marriage is working? See, the world's marriages aren't working, why? They don't know truth. Their marriages, they just won't work. Their lives aren't working. Something that always happens in this world that we live in, when crisis hits, the world starts looking for truth. And when they start looking for truth, will they find it in you? Will they find it in you? So we gotta mix that conviction with some compassion. Compassion. Matter of fact, there is a scripture that I used at the beginning of this series that I want, I want to use. It's Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And this is what Jesus said. I mean, know it's important. It's in red in your Bible. Jesus said this, right? Think about this. Jesus said this. All through the Bible, it calls us believers what? Sheep. I'm almost done. A few more minutes. He said, I'm going to send you like sheep into a pack of wolves. I mean, well, thank you, Jesus. That's very encouraging. I'm going to send you like a sheep into wolf country. That's what Jesus was saying. Well, that's, that doesn't give me a worm and fuzz, it does give you a worm and fuzzy? Now think about it. How many of have ever seen the animal channel? Anyone ever overdosed on the animal Planet, You watch, I like wolves, I'm fascinated with wolves, right? They, they what? They pack attack. If you got a wolf here and a sheep here, guess who's at the top of the food chain? It's not, I mean, how intimidating is that? You know, here's the wolf ground, and here's the sheep. What Jesus said, just like a sheep, I'm going to send you into wolf country. And then look at the answer Jesus, or the solution Jesus gives. He says this, he says, so when I send you into wolf country, be as wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Well, if, if I was God and I wrote that, it would it'd sounds something like this. Take an M16, take, take a survival knife, take a rifle, put a pistol on your side, I'm sending you. In. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm going to send you in the wolf country and be wise as a serpent and be as innocent as a what, what was he saying? He was saying this, keep your conviction and stay unmixed. I mean, think about this. A dove is not a symbol of what? Strength, toughness, or just be like a dove, be like a serpent. But we get mixed up sometimes because when we think serpent, we think Garden of Eden. But different places in the Bible, the serpent was referred to as being very wise. Here's what it means: don't get inflammatory, don't keep sensible, keep prudent, keep full of wisdom, keep under conviction. And a dove is always a sign of innocence. Don't get mixed. So you got to have the courage to stay in your conviction. You you, you have to have a conviction with compassion. Here's the last thing I want to say this morning is this. Keep your compassion without compromise. Keep your compassion without compromise. How does a believer live in a world that we're living right now? You have enough courage to keep your conviction. You keep that conviction, but you have compassion and you keep that compassion without any compromise. So I wrote this down at the very, very end of my message. And like this, this would make a great tattoo. This would great make a great tweet. This would make a great this would make a great post. Let's all stand to our feet. I, I kind of want to wrap this up this morning with this statement. People need to feel our love while hearing the truth. People need to feel our love while hearing the truth. And you know what? Our world doesn't understand this, but they don't have to understand this. Just because we don't agree with things in culture doesn't mean we can't love somebody. Just because I, I don't agree with that opinion that's in culture doesn't mean I still can't love you. Now listen, the world can't understand that type of thinking because that's, like that's an agape love, that's the God kind of love. Because see, there, there, there's a lot of philosophies when you talk about this type of issue. There's a lot of Christians who wanna bunker down and hide and just oh Jesus come quickly. But man, what I read in the Bible is, the Bible says in the last days, men are just gonna love themselves. But in those last days, the outpouring of God's gonna be greater than it was in the former days. What I read in the Bible is the greatest hour for the church is when the world's at its lowest. What I read in scripture right there is when, when mankind is at their worst, God's actually at his best. And what I wanna challenge you with is it's time to show up. It's time to show up. Keep your conviction. Be compassionate, don't compromise. You don't have to compromise, why? You don't have a God problem. The world around us, there's no answer when God's your problem. But you don't have a God problem. Actually, you have a God solution. You gotta be grateful about that because there was a time in your life, you had a God problem. And if God's your problem, there's no answer. Accept your own opinions and your own thoughts. And how many have ever let your opinions lead you, guide you? That's called all your junk, right? Aren't you glad Jesus came and erased that? But listen, God's not your problem. God's your answer. So if God's your answer, I believe God's answer is worth sharing, and he's worth showing, amen? Y'all get something good out of this this morning. How do you respond to a crazy road? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stay under a conviction that I know this, this book. See, here, here's the deal. As a believer, we understand that this book is just God's mind put on put on a page, on a white page with black ink. We understand that this is the promises and the truth of Jesus. It was just recorded for us, so it would never be forgotten. And though, even though it was written a long time ago, it's still valuable and effective, today and the truth is this will still fix your marriage and this will still fix your life and this will still fix your stinking thinking this will still heal your heart this will still mend your relationship this still works don't give up this matter of fact because he is not my problem I hold a book of his solutions why do you think there is such an attack on this book there's an attack on this book Why? Because it's alive, it's active. It'll cut through the spirit, it'll cut through the flesh, it'll cut through the thinking. Don't you back off this book. Don't you back off this book. The Bible said this is like building your life or rebuilding your life on a a firm foundation. You might have built in the sand before, but how many know we're building something solid? When you build on something solid, the Bible said, "When the storm comes, not if the storm comes, but when the storm of life and the storm of culture comes your way, you can withstand any storm." Why? Because this is truth. The truth is, set me free. I won't compromise it, but I will. I will interact in compassion, just because someone sin differently than you do, they still need your compassion. Amen. Amen.